Hello there, everyone. Welcome to Digital Nomad Mastery, the podcast and the videocast where we teach you how to make money while traveling the world. And on today's episode, we have a very special guest who's a fellow uh, traveling family. Uh, we have Sue on and her daughter on the show today. Uh, her husband wasn't able to be on, but we got uh, the mom and the daughter. <laughs> we got Sue on and her lovely daughter, Rubes, uh, and the beautiful pet there, too. Uh, and by the way, if you're just listening to this, we actually have a video version as well. So make sure you watch the video version on YouTube. Uh, so Suwon is actually from England originally, uh, a Chinese ethnicity, and now she's actually in Bali, Indonesia. I'm Indian Canadian, married to Filipino, currently in Colombia, as you can see by the flag behind me if you're watching this. So Suwon, uh, why don't you share a little bit more about your family and your background and what got you so passionate about travel? Okay, uh, so we're a family of three. So myself, my husband, and Ruby, who's nine years old. We're from uh, a city called Bristol in England, southwest England. And we started traveling about 16 months ago. It's just, it's been over a year. Um, what got us passionate about traveling? Well, we just realized that in England, life is expensive, even though we're from England, um, it, it's expensive. and we, me and my husband both worked. Uh, I was part-time, my husband was full-time, and Ruby went to school. She was in grade two, year two, when we were there, year, year three, when we left. And we realized that, you know, the the nine-to-five grind uh, of, of normal modern life just meant that we had very little time for each other. Uh, you know, after school, there was always after-school activities, there were kids' parties. So we didn't have a lot of quality time together. And at weekends, we were so tired because, because life is full, right? And it's busy. So... I think that was one of the main reasons we wanted to, to spend more time together while Ruby's still young. Um, and we realized there was a different way. Yeah, we realized this was a, a possibility. So that's why Ruby. Awesome. And, uh, you know, whenever I have kids on the show, I really love it because my daughter actually, she loves the spotlight too. She loves being on video and audio. Uh, so now that we have our guest uh, and a little mini guest too, Rubes, I would love to ask you, Rubes, uh, which is your favorite city? Uh, or country you've been to so far in your travels in uh, the 16 months. Any favorite city or country? Well, I think I probably have four. Oh. <laughs> okay. You tell Ricky. Um, I think we love Valencia, Athens, Hong Kong, and Thailand. Wow, that's a lot. Do you want to just tell Ricky about one of them? Uh, yeah, why, why do you like, uh, which is your favorite? Which is your favorite one? Uh, I don't know. <laughs> why don't you just tell Ricky about Thailand? Okay. What did you like about Thailand? Uh, I quite liked our house. <laughs> it was um, wooden. Okay. okay. <laughs> we lived in an apartment and she liked the apartment there, an Airbnb. Uh, what else did you like about Thailand? I like how friendly everyone was. They were laid back and relaxed. Um, I like the food there, even though it was quite spicy. Mm. I think that's yeah. it. Uh, who, who is your friend? You're holding a friend. Who is the friend of yours? This is Amy. She was given to me by my friends when I left England. So she's a builder bear and I named her Amy, and she, she, my friends left, left me a message on her. Remember me, 
that was her leaving present from her best friends. Um, they did this Build-A-Bear and all their names are on the back. Yeah. Oh, beautiful. Naomi, Ruby, Ella, awesome. Uh, my daughter has a Build-A-Bear too. Uh, her Build-A-Bear is the shape of a My Little Pony. She loves her My Little Pony Build-A-Bear. So it's not actually Build-A-Bear, it's a Build-A-Pony. Yeah, that's cool. You'd love that, huh? <laughs> so, Rubes, I want to ask you, uh, uh, which country are you looking forward to seeing? Is there any place that you want to go to? Australia, I'm quite looking forward to. Why? Because we're house-sitting six cats and seven chickens. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> that's our next stop, Ricky. So we're, we're going to Australia after this, and we found a house-sit. Uh, but we are going to be looking after a lot of cats and chickens. Yeah. yeah. So, Rubes, uh, you know, final question. Uh, have you been to Disneyland, for example, in Hong Kong, or uh, do you really want to go to some Disneylands or Disney Worlds around the world? Yeah, I've been to Disneyland in Hong Kong, and I've also been to Ocean Park. Mm -hmm. uh, do, you, do you want to go to any other Disneylands? I want to go to the one in Paris. The one in Paris you'd like to go to. Awesome. My kids love Disneyland too. <laughs> uh, uh, so Suwan, I'm going to continue the interview with uh, the mom now. Uh, we had the daughter on. It's great to have uh, kids. Uh, I love to see what kids are learning during the travels because at the end of the day, uh, we or our parents, we, we don't travel for ourselves. We travel for the kids. And uh, yeah. you know what, what learnings do they have and uh, what insights. And it's great just to hear uh, from the mouth of babes, they call it, but from the mouth of your daughter. Yeah. So, yeah, so, so, on, so I'm interested in your journey. Maybe if you can actually walk us through, um, when you left England, uh, take us through the journey. Where have you gone all the way from London, sorry, not London, but Bristol, England, uh, to now in, in Ubud, Bali, Indonesia? Okay, so, um, yeah, we, we started in Europe just because we're from England. So it's cheap and it's close, right? So we, we went to Spain, Valencia, as the first city. And uh, as we travel, we, we travel slowly or what we think is slowly so one or two months in each place so everywhere we've been has been you know just a couple of months so spain um valencia and, and we loved that city it was it was definitely one of our favorites um and spanish culture spanish life it really suits us that laid-back sort of mediterranean um style from there it was then peak season so july august like this time of year um, and so we were quite careful about where do we stay because we know it's, it can be really expensive because the whole world is on summer vacation, right? So we went inland. So we went to uh, Prague in the Czech Republic for one month. And then we went to Zagreb in Croatia um, for a month as well. And, and I think every year we deliberately, we deliberately plan those months, those two months, July and August, so that we can uh, live affordably still. So it's best for us to avoid the coast at that point. Uh, after that, we went to Athens in Greece. Uh, and that's another favorite of ours. Um, partly, again, that Mediterranean culture. Partly in Athens, we also volunteered. So we volunteer not in every country, but whenever we can find the chance to. Uh, Dan doesn't because he actually works. And I work, I work, but I only work part time. So we've got a lot of free time. So in Athens, we worked in a community center helping uh, refugees who were coming over from Syria and Iraq and all sorts of places. And we taught English, so myself and Ruby. So that was really, that really helped shape our experience in Athens. And partly one of the reasons we loved it so much was the people we met. So we probably learned more about Middle Eastern culture than, uh, than Greece. It was really awesome. 
Um, and then we made the hop from Greece uh, to Southeast Asia. So we went to Hong Kong and uh, my family, so I was born in England, but my family's originally from Hong Kong. So it's, it's familiar to us, you know, we love the food. I can speak Cantonese. Um, it feels more like a, if we were to have a home base, Hong Kong would make sense for that, for that reason. So we stayed there for quite a long time, three, three or four months, because my family wanted us to see out Chinese New Year. It's a big deal there. So we, we stayed till Chinese New Year. And then a month in Japan, in Fukuoka, in Japan. Um, and uh, we like Japan, but it's too expensive to stay longer, unfortunately. You know, cost of living is similar, if not more, than England. So just the one month, that was enough for us. And from Japan, we went to Thailand. So we stayed in Chiang Mai. And again, like Ruby said, it's one of our favorites. Uh, partly it's the culture, the food, but also we found it's a really big uh, traveling family hub. There were so many uh, digital nomad families there. So we connected with them on a sort of, well, every few days we would be hanging out with uh, these families. And it's great to see your kids play together and go to classes together. So yeah, we really enjoyed Chiang Mai. Uh, and from there, we went to Kuala Lumpur, Malaysia for a month. And then from Kuala Lumpur, we're here. So <laughs> in Ubud. So uh, yeah, that's been the journey so far. Yeah, no, uh, thank you for sharing uh, the last 16 months. Uh, sounds amazing. And, uh, you know, it's really good for your daughter, obviously, too, to understand her ethnic roots. Uh, my ethnic roots are Indian and my wife is Filipino. So we ended up taking our kids uh, to the Philippines and uh, hanging out with uh, their grandparents. And it was really good uh, for the identity formation of our kids. Um, yeah. So, Suwan, um, you're heading to Australia. And then after, tell us about the journey. Uh, what are the future countries and continents you want to visit after Australia? Um, we want to go to New Zealand. Uh, and that's always been one of our big, the big ones on our list. You know, we, we think it's a beautiful country. Everything we've heard about it is amazing. Um, we're not sure that we can go yet because, again, it, it's a country that's quite expensive, uh, cost of living. But because we're going to be in Australia, it would seem a waste to not go when we're that close. So we're looking into that now, but we, we honestly don't know yet. Uh, we tend not to book that far in advance, actually, Ricky. We, we, we quite like that ability to pick and choose um, with a month to go. You know, we like it to be, you know, we could go anywhere. Um, and we will look at things like weather and flight costs and stuff like that. Um, but we, we think that uh, we're going to head home maybe after Christmas uh, this year, just to sort out some stuff back in England. But after that, our plans are, we've never been to South America ever. And we would love to experience that culture. We hear that Mexico is a really big hit for traveling families. Um, and again, we, we really enjoy tapping into those communities where there's a lot of activity to meet other homeschool, world school kids, homeschool kids. Um, so that appeals to us, uh, but nowhere is off limits, Ricky, you know, like, yeah, we're interested in going anywhere, but uh, South America is intriguing to us. And we may need to hit North America because of my husband's work. So uh, we have been there before, uh, but we may, we may need to hang out there a little bit because, because of his work, yeah. Sounds good. And uh, you know, speaking of work, um, there's two major questions that everyone asks me and I'm sure everyone asks you. How do you deal with the money? And how do you deal with the schooling? <laughs> so yeah. I always ask, uh, you know, have to answer that question over and over. I usually just say, listen to my podcast or check out my <laughs> blog. And I write all about the money side of things and the schooling side of things. 
so in terms of you and your husband, how have you guys financed this amazing journey around the world for 16 months of continuous travel? What are some of your income streams? So um, we're quite unusual in that my husband is employed. He is not freelance. He doesn't have his own business. So he worked for a, a company, an app. They're called Book Creator. And it's essentially a digital note, notebook app uh, in England. I think he worked there for two or three years before we left. And he just asked his boss, he said, um, you know, his boss was already happy for him to work from home rather than come into the office. And he said, you know what, if I wanted to travel the world, would you be okay with that? Because, you know, I'm not, I'm only coming in like once a week now or whatever. <clears throat> and his boss was totally for it. He was like, you know what, if I could, then I would do it. So go, you know, go and do it. And so we, he was so supportive of us and we, so we were so lucky to have that. And Dan loves his job. So he has, uh, he, he still works in that job, basically, um, 16 months on. He's still doing that job. He still enjoys it. Uh, I guess for that reason, he, he has a little bit more of a nine to five. I mean, it's not actually nine to five, but there is a structure and a rhythm to our day. It's not like a freelancer who may be able to pull out a little bit, you know, or only work a few hours a day. I guess, I guess it's more structured to it than that. But we are very blessed with that. And for me, I, I work part-time um, for an English learning platform uh, on, on WeChat. It's called Yoli, Yoli Chat. And I am both an English teacher, but I also am a student counsellor on that platform. And that is two or three hours a day. Um, and then we, we, we also do a few other small things. Like I do some transcription work. So that's just, you know, applying for some work as and when it comes up and, and typing out what people are saying. It doesn't bring in loads of money, but it's just another income stream. I guess, I guess the way we see it is Dan's income really is what helps us to be able to do this. And my income kind of just, just props us up. It, it's a little bit extra. Yeah. So that's, that's how we do it. And because we are, you know, in England, we were just managing, but we are traveling to affordable countries. So we are able to, we're able to save for the most part as we travel, which is crazy, isn't it? But yeah. Yeah, uh, definitely I can agree with you. Uh, sometimes it's actually cheaper to travel than it is to live back home. Uh, like, for example, uh, we're actually here in Colombia. An apartment for the month, um, you know, it's like about 250, 300 US dollars, which is wow. amazing for a whole, yeah. whole month in a, for an apartment here. Um, uh, you know, back home, it might be like uh, at least like 800,000, 1500. Uh, and this is like, we're talking about a fully furnished apartment for a few hundred dollars only. So uh, food's cheap, um, you know, a bus, a transport, taxes are cheap, uh, even um, inter-country uh, and also um, between countries, flights are cheap. So um, yeah, I'm finding it super cheap here in South America. America. Depends on where, obviously. Uh, like I know, I know. For example, if you're in Asia, Bali is fairly cheap. But Singapore and Japan is very here in South America. Brazil is very expensive. French Guiana is expensive. But Colombia, Ecuador, Peru are fairly cheaper. So uh, yeah. you could definitely um, uh, stretch your dollar or stretch your euro or your British sound pearly, sound, yeah. <laughs> British pound sterling. Uh, <laughs> and uh, since you're from the UK. Um, so the other question, um, you know, which I'm sure you get a lot, is how do you school your daughter? I mean, she's an amazing daughter uh, who we heard from earlier in the interview. She's very intelligent, very bright, and very uh, sociable. Uh, tell us a little bit about how you're managing her schooling. Uh, is it world schooling, unschooling, homeschooling, self-directed learning, or some other type of education? Yeah. So we, we say that we world school. Uh, we tried unschooling. Um, 
but it didn't work for us. And what I would say is that we did not nail how we school for a long time because it, it's a it's a work in progress. And even now I would say it's a work in progress, you know. Um, when we first set out from England, we got the British curriculum from her school and we were like, oh, we are going to follow the British curriculum. We are going to do what her classmates are doing. We're going to do it. And then we realized that it just does not work in a homeschool scenario because we could cover what a class covers in a term in half a day, you know, as a one-on-one. -on -one. And it didn't, it didn't suit the way we wanted to learn. So, so we sort of meandered for the first six months, trying to unschool, trying to do various different things and, and struggled. But maybe, maybe now we're in the groove where we found what works for us. And that looks like between one and three hours a day of doing what some people would say is traditional schooling. Um, we have various resources that we carry around with us. So we, we take workbooks around with us, worksheets, um, exercise books. So for things like maths and English and science, we, we use those. We also use a lot of technology, a lot of apps. Uh, so we will use, for example, there's a program called Mathletics, uh, Mathletics and Spellodrome. And they both are, are programs where you, you pay and you have access to all this resource online and, and they turn the math and the English into games and Ruby really enjoys that. So we think it's worth it. So we, we pay for that. We also uh, pay a private tutor who we met on our travels to teach Ruby once a week uh, to teach maths. He's actually a computer scientist and um, he, he connects really well with Ruby. We had lessons face-to-face -face in Japan and then we realized, you know, Ruby gets on well with him. Would he consider doing a Skype lesson every week? And that works well. So I guess where I feel I am not an expert in something, we, we have a budget for education. So we, we say that it's worth it. We believe it's worth it. Uh, but for the other things, I guess I, I would teach her those things. So, you know, that's English, art. It's hard to box it, isn't it, into subjects when you're world schooling. It's not quite as cut and dried as at school. Um, we might do various projects, but it is kind of child-based. You know, like now in Bali, we're doing a project about geckos because there are geckos everywhere. And Ruby keeps catching them and wanting to keep them alive and... And so we were like, okay, let's let's research about geckos. So I guess it's a little bit it's a little bit um, it changes in every country, but we have a rough structure of between one and three hours a day ish, where we will be not necessarily at home. Sometimes Ruby works better from a public space. We might go to a library or a coffee shop, and she just somehow uh, finds that more. It helps her. It's more helpful for her to work in that kind of environment. And um, probably the other thing that we feel traveling really helps us to build into her world schooling is the local classes. So in every country we've been to, she's attended local classes or workshops. And they're always teaching things that I couldn't teach. Like in Hong Kong, she went to gymnastics um, and she loved it. And she got to play with other kids. She got expert tuition. Um, and it also gives me a little bit of a break as well, right? So in Greece, she learned uh, cooking. You know, she did a Greek cooking class. And again, it's the kind of thing I wouldn't be able to teach her. In Spain, she did Lego robotics. So I find as we travel, there's always these resources to tap into. And, uh, and so we make the most of it, you know, yeah. Uh, some great uh, resources and tools, and I, I, I like the fact that you've uh, gone from world schooling to homeschooling, and then you combine it with things like supplement learning, and I uh, like the whole tutoring aspect, too, um, of, some, of having someone external who actually teaches your daughter mathematics through Skype. Uh, uh, so uh, good on you for creating a great educational model uh, using many different factors together.
Thanks. <laughs> so, uh, you know, I would uh, also like to hear the flip side. I mean, uh, on social media, you always see the good stuff. And on your blog, I'm sure you write mostly about the good stuff. But life on the road isn't always good. There's challenges, difficulties, struggles, fighting with your spouse, I'm sure, uh, your, your daughter, um, uh, you know, maybe um, throwing tantrums or something like that. Tell, tell us about um, some of your personal struggles while you're traveling with your um, husband and daughter uh, for 16 months now. Yeah, okay. Yeah, there are definite downsides. I mean, um, the first few days of arriving in any place is always the hardest time. Uh, you just, you know, finding your feet, working out how to get around, uh, facing new cultures, being immersed at first, you know, you feel a little bit fearful, I suppose, or a little bit um, out of your depth. So that's always, that's always, um, that's always our experience at the beginning. And particularly for my husband, he's more introverted than me. So he finds that he needs time to adjust. Uh, but we, you know, after 16 months now, we're like, okay, we always realize the first five days is just going to be about us getting used to being in a new place and that's okay it's okay if we hide away in our apartment or whatever and just take baby steps out um the other things that are that are downsides are you know stuff still happens that isn't good when you're traveling you know uh like in spain my phone was stolen and i had to go to a police station and they wanted a report in spanish and i didn't speak any spanish and you still have to go through all of that stuff like i would in england right except it's brand new because the bureaucracy and the administration is different to how you would do it in your home country. So it was a real pain. <laughs> it was a real pain. Um, in Hong Kong, for example, Ruby had an accident at home where she was practicing some gymnastics. She fell off the bed and, and cracked her head. So we had to go to hospital. And again, that was in another language, in a new system. We didn't know how hospitals work in, in Hong Kong. So all the stuff that could happen to you at home, it still, it still comes with you. You know, you can't avoid that. So it just is a lot harder doing that in a new, in a new country, in a new culture and a new language. Um, so those are drawbacks, but that's life. That's, that's totally, that's, it's to be expected. You can't expect to leave your home country and be like, everything is fine. <laughs> because, yes. Yeah, because it's not. So, Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, no, th thanks for sharing the stories and uh, those, those stuff's happened to me. I kind of laugh at it because uh, uh, we were in a mall uh, just in Brazil and my son. Hit his head and then went to rush him to a Brazilian hospital and do x-rays and all that. But he was totally fine and he had a big bandage on his head. And um, so when you shared about that gymnastic story, I was like, oh, man, just like my son's story in Brazil. So <laughs> Yeah. Yeah, and it might have happened in Vancouver, where we're from, or in Bristol, where you're from. So it's, it's the same stuff on the road uh, in different languages with different uh, circumstances. Absolutely. So, Suan, um, uh, there might be someone who's actually listening to this interview, who's watching it, and they're still in their home city, their home country, their home continent, and they're thinking of um, starting out on the road, and they absolutely have no idea where to start. You're already there. You've done it for over a year now uh, and counting. Uh, so what would you say to that person, that mom, that dad, that individual who wants to start traveling? I would say, I mean, I guess everyone's going to say, just do it. Of course, you know, it's totally worth it. It is totally, it's totally life-changing and you wouldn't know until you do it, whether you're going to like it or not. So you may as well try it. But my advice to you is to contact um, other traveling families. Before I left, so we had about an 18 month 
uh, gap between when we were thinking about it and when we started. And I contacted about 50 or 60 traveling families. I just found them on, I found their travel blogs. I found them on various Facebook groups like, uh, you know, world schoolers or location independent families. There are all sorts of groups. And I reached out to them and I sent them a list of all the things I was worried about. You know, all the things you've been talking about. How am I going to make it work financially? How am I going to school my children? How are we going to survive? You know, how am I going to have any friends? All of those worries. And all those families came back with their own unique answers. And they were all different, but it reassured me if these 50 families can do it, why can't I, you know? And I just Mm -hmm. felt like actually it's really good to have that, that experience and that wisdom from people who've already done it. So I would say, reach out to that community. Those people are out there, you know, all the people you interview, Ricky, you know, I guess, it's just a wealth of resource, a wealth of wisdom, right? Travel is wisdom. So, yes, yeah. yes. W- wisdom from nomads, definitely. Uh, we've interviewed uh, over 140 different guests. Um, several of them are actually traveling families. We interview single single travelers, couple travelers, and obviously family travelers as well. And it's definitely very inspiring and very informative for me as the host, but also for all of our listeners and viewers. So, Suwan, uh, to end off with, um, how can people find out about you in terms of your blog? And maybe that person might want to be, you know, asking you all these questions that you asked those 50 people. Yeah. <laughs> so, how can we flip it around? How, how can you be the one who's sharing the info this time around to other people who are just starting out? So, if you if you want to read our blog, uh, it's just a personal blog, really. It's at unkempt.com. So, it's www.unkempt.com. Otherwise, I would point you to the direction of the Facebook groups like World Schoolers or Location Independent Families. I'm on there. I'm active. I try and answer people's questions as and when they come up. Awesome. Uh, And I'll have those links below. So, uh, you know, uh, you know, just um, reach out to someone like Suwan. She's very willing and maybe even ask her daughter some questions from the kid's perspective like we did earlier. It's always good to actually hear it from the kid's perspective. So thanks for having your daughter on the show, too. It's a pleasure to have you and her on the show. All right, cool. Thank you, Ricky. Yeah, thanks for, thanks for joining us. And uh, thanks, everyone, for tuning into this episode of Digital Nomad Mastery, where we covered this important topic of you know, uh, family travel, world schooling, homeschooling, and uh, really inspiring more people to travel. So thanks, everyone, for tuning in. Uh, we'll catch you in the next episode. Happy travels.